Steve Robinson is an author, a speaker, and a consultant. He is the former director of marketing for Six Flags and the former chief marketing officer for Chick-fil-A. His newest book is Covert Cows and Chick-fil-A, How Faith Cows and Chicken Built an Iconic Brand. Steve, welcome. Thank you, George. Great to be with you. Yeah, really excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Wow, 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 wow. Well, I grew up in South Alabama, um, uh, L.A., (laughs) uh, in a little town called Foley, Alabama, 10 miles from Gulf Shores. I'm going to abbreviate this for time. Uh, Spent my senior year in New Zealand as an exchange student with an American Field Service. To junior college for two years, one, because that's what I could afford, and two, it gave me an opportunity to play two more years of baseball. Uh, went to Auburn University and uh, majored in marketing. Met Diane, my wife, there on a blind date, and we have been happily married and still best friends now for 51 years. Uh, and then uh, she and I graduated on the same day at Auburn. Four days later, we got married. And went to uh, Evanston, Illinois, where I entered the graduate program at Medill School of Journalism, majored in advertising communications. Uh, great program. Uh, would not have shown up there without the help of my Auburn dean, who made introductions and strongly recommended that's where I go. First job out of uh, Medill was Texas Instruments out in, Tal- in Dallas. I was in a brand new group <clears throat> marketing what they called semi semiconductor products. For layman's, that was the first handheld calculators. And I was focused on scientific calculators for engineers, mathematicians, et cetera, architects, and predominantly direct response marketing through media and direct mail. Whole new area of growth for me. I learned a ton. It, it wasn't an area that I got much at Northwestern on. Uh, was there about a year? Phone rang. It was director of marketing Six Flags over Texas. He was brother of one of my Medill brothers. Uh, and he said, I got an opening in my marketing department. Would you be interested? And I you know, would think, okay, you've only been a TI for a year. Why would you do that? I discovered a year the TI was an engineering focused company. And I, I started to get the feeling that uh, it was not going to be a great place for a marketing career. So I figured, why not? Let's go out and visit. I, I really liked uh, Dan's brother. Um, so I went and interviewed Dan House for a full Saturday. And at the end of the day, they offered me the job. And I went to work for Six Flags. I had a seven-year career with Six Flags, three different locations. Started out there in Texas. My last four years were was with Six Flags Over Georgia in Atlanta, where I actually became the director of marketing for my last three years there. And um, Atlanta was always where I wanted to be, and the, the Lord navigated the, the, the relationships and the trip. And um, by that time, Diane and I had a daughter. And I was having a really good time at Six Flags Over Georgia, learning a lot, clearly a marketing-oriented, brand-oriented company. Uh, This is in the heyday of theme parks. And um, um, phone rang one evening uh, in August of 1980, and it was Jimmy Collins, who was the COO for Chick-fil-A. 
And I had met Jimmy about two years earlier in an attempt to get them to build a, a Chick-fil-A store uh, in the park. Uh, they were a small regional chain, uh, only in about nine states, less than 100 stores, all in malls, awareness level of almost nothing. And if you weren't a mall shopper, you would have no idea who Chick-fil-A was. So we were pitching them on how to build your brand and create trial uh, inside the park where you'd potentially be exposed to 2.8 million people a year. Uh, short of that was we had a great conversation. We looked at sites. We looked at a store design. They decided not to do it because they realized they couldn't make money at it. I, I told them that all along. The only people that were going to make money at it were the park, was the park, but got to know them. So it's now, and that's back in probably 79 when all that happened. So it's now summer of 80 and Jimmy calls. So I know who he is. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy said, you know, we know each other and we don't have a marketing department and our operators really need help in building their sales. Your name keeps popping up. I just want to know if you'd have an interest in talking to us. Now, George, my immediate reaction sitting there was, <laughs> I know you don't have a marketing department or you would have done that deal with me back in 1979 or 78, whenever it was. But I had grown to know the company well enough. I really appreciated the leadership. It was private. I loved their product. Um, they were based in Atlanta. And uh, I had, in my first eight years, I'd been in public companies and quite frankly, had grown a little frustrated with it. Six Flags had been sold and the new owners were heavily focused on quarterly cash earnings, which is not a healthy thing when it comes to building a brand. So I said, sure, let's talk. You know, I didn't, I spent one day interviewing with Dan House at Six Flags. What's, I figure, what's three or four days with Chick-fil-A? Um, all right, I'm going to speed up the story here and jump all the way to December of the same year. And I'm in Truett Cathy's office, who's the chairman and founder, and I'm still interviewing. <laughs> it's been almost five months. Wow. I'm doing it stealth, and it's lunch, and I'm on my lunch break from Six Flags. So I look at Truett, and I said, Truett, I love what you got going on here. I really appreciate the kind of culture you're building. I like your product. I like your operator model, which we can talk about a little bit. Uh, but this is getting a little difficult because I also like the job I have now. And what are you looking for in the ideal marketing candidate? And George, he looks at me and there's this long silence. He says, I have no idea. All I know is whatever it is, I don't want to do it. Really? But he wasn't finished. And then he says, but I do know this, that if we invite you to join Chick-fil-A, it's because we think we can have a long, long career together. You'll never leave here. We'll be able to trust you, and we'll have fun together. And another long pause. And I'm in a bit of a state of shock by now, particularly when he said you'll never leave here. <laughs> And, and he says, um, you need to understand that our, pro our process is methodical because we don't train culture. We hire it. We're more interested in who you are 
and whether you're going to be a really good fit for this organization long term. So um, I'll shorten the story to say um, he did not tell me what they were going to do in that interview. Two weeks later, Jimmy called me and said, we want you to do it if you're willing to do it. I said, yes, obviously. So I joined Chick-fil-A in 1981 in January. I had no idea I'd have a 35-year career plus three more years on their board. But um, he's right. Truett was right. They did not have a marketing department. And the upside of all that was I had the honor and privilege of building not just a marketing department. I had the honor and privilege of of building a, a brand strategy as well as a marketing strategy. And over the long haul, Uh, He was a patient man. He wasn't interested in short-term profits. He was focused on growth, having a healthy business, building his reputation. In fact, I'm leaving his office, and on his desk sits a Bible verse, Proverbs 22.1. A good name is to be more valued than riches, gold or silver. And um, I learned over time that 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 really was um, his primary focus in business, to have a good name create an environment where people could thrive. And uh, as long as he wasn't in a, a cash cash crisis position, um, he was a content man. And he gave me incredible freedom uh, to, to fulfill my duties, uh, initially as director of marketing and eventually chief, chief marketing officer. So that's a very quick wrap up on how I got there, where I came from. Diane and I have two children. Um, they're both grown adults, have their own families. We have four grandchildren. They're all doing great. Um, they live in Atlanta. We sold our house in Atlanta back in May. We, we now live in North Carolina and, uh, love being up here. Excellent. Well, that's, that is quite a story. Thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. Do you, do you consider yourself a traditional guy, traditional kind of person? I would, I would, um, when I was in junior college, and I think a lot of that is, is fostered by my faith. When I was in junior college, I, um, I attended a conference where a guy was speaking who wrote the book, Crossing the Switchblade. He was an evangelist in New York City. And it was really the first time, even though I'd grown up in the church, it was really the first time I'd heard the gospel and understand what Christ had actually done for me. So all that to say, when I became a believer at that event, um, I started a spiritual walk that had not been very healthy. And um, so if I'm if I'm a traditionalist, it's because in large part of what I've learned, um, not just in the context of church, but more importantly in the context of God's Word, um, being around other men and women who uh, have this balance of worldview as well as Christian view, spiritual view, and and priorities that that transcend what goes on here. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I would have to say I'm a traditionalist, but in the the biblical sense. Yeah, I appreciate that. Is that is that ever been at odds with 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 marketing? I don't think it has to be. Uh, it, It can be. But I don't think it has to be. Now, it helps that I'm working in an environment uh, with an owner who um, was also a, a believer. 
um, and uh, wanted to have an environment where people could uh, grow and be their full self, physical, spiritual, as well as professional. He created an environment where you had an opportunity to truly grow and thrive personally and professionally. <clears throat> he empowered his people, including me. And I, for example, I, uh, my 35 years there, True had never called me to his office once to argue with me about a decision I made or why I made it. Hmm. Did I make some mistakes? If you read my, if you read my book, you know I talk about some. I, I made some big mistakes. But he created an environment where I learned from those mistakes, and it fostered um, uh, creativity, innovation. So if you're in an environment, to answer your question, where people are treated with honor, dignity, and respect, <clears throat> there's, you're not going to do anything in the marketing arena that does anything to undermine that. And so we took a pretty not a, a traditional approach where instead of just chasing people's money and their in transactions, we chased relationships. We tried to build relationships, give people a genuine value for their money, treat them with respect in the restaurants, treat them with respect in the way we marketed the store. Uh, early in my career, we completely got out of discounting and deals where we're, you know, just chasing transactions. And we really focused on building a brand that delivered um every bit of the value you were paying for and hopefully uh, an experience that actually made you feel better, whether it was in the restaurant or even because the cows made you laugh, you know? So um, the, the long answer is no, I don't think there's any, has to be any conflict at all, but it depends on the kind of culture that leadership creates. If you create a culture that's short-term focused, profit is king, uh, quarterly earnings is paramount. Um, uh, people are not generally valued as as uh, people that have a, a, a you know a, an eternal value, but more importantly, an opportunity to contribute to the business. More value to the business the longer they're there. So you focus on developing them and giving them opportunities to grow professionally. Uh, example. I would say over half the people that were in the marketing department when I left, which was almost 250 people, over half of them were doing some. They're still at Chick-fil-A, but they're doing a different job. They're not in the marketing department anymore. And an illustration of giving people an opportunity to grow and thrive and not have to leave the business and lose all that institutional knowledge to still have an opportunity to grow and contribute. So, um, no. I don't think it's a problem at all if you have the right leaders at the top and they create the right culture. That's the key. That makes a lot of sense. And certainly being a private company, I'm sure that that is one of the big advantages that. Big advantage. Well, George, think about it. You know, the typical CEO and even CMO turns over in public companies about every three to four years. Now, think about it. It's fairly logical when you realize that doesn't avail the opportunity to build much of a consistent culture. Because next CEO, next CMO, they want to put their fingerprint on the culture of the business, the priorities of the business. They create new purpose statements and value statements, most of which go on walls and they don't even live out. And uh, so when you have that kind of turnover in most public organizations, most public companies, 
you're not going to have clarity about why you exist, purpose, or how do you make decisions around fundamental values that you won't, you will not bend on. They're non-negotiables in business. Well, we had that. We had clarity of purpose, which we wrote in 1982 to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. It was written in the middle of financial 1982 crisis. We had clarity of purpose. It hasn't changed. Not one word has changed. Still today. We had clarity of values. We knew exactly what was important to Truett. Stewardship, excellence, integrity, having fun, teamwork. There you have it. Everybody knew what they were. Everybody knew how those things played out in the business. And everybody knew why we existed, the purpose. Well, when you have clarity of purpose and clarity of values that you're willing to literally fall on a sword over, what happens? Everybody is better empowered to make decisions. Decision-making doesn't have to keep going up. And decision-making actually can be pushed down. And what's the advantage of that? You're making decisions closer to the customer. And that's the one of the real operational keys to Chick-fil-A is because of the clarity of purpose and values and because of the organizational model where Chick-fil-A restaurants are, un, are run by independent contractors who are empowered not just to run the business functionally, but to also run the business in the context of those that purpose and those values these men and women are representing the brand and their communities consistent with what Truett would have done if he was still running each of those restaurants. And that's the real magic of Chick-fil-A is local leadership. They don't, they're not equity investors, but they're, they're, they're franchise, franchisees on the side of the law. They are independent contractors. And without getting into the details of the of the deal, their income is half of the net operating profit of the stores that they operate. So what do you have? You got a bunch of entrepreneurs. They didn't have any financial risk, but they're they're sweat equities in the business. They they're not passive investors. They are in the business. They're in their communities, helping to build sales, they're helping to attract and keep great people, they're building relationships relationships in the community. They're not going anywhere. Annual turnover is less than 3% for those men and women. And people ask, how in the world does Chick-fil-A do average store volumes like they do? Well, last year was over 8 million. It's because clarity of purpose, clarity of values, and great leaders close to the customer. Now, there's a lot going on underneath all that, but that's the essence of why Chick-fil-A is who they are today. And he gave me an incredible environment. Okay, how do we equip those men and women to build the brand? We didn't try to build the brand from the home office. We flipped the, the paradigm of how marketing is done in most franchise organizations, including, including fast food restaurants. And instead of everything being done out of the home office and build back to the stores and all the decisions are made at the corporate office, we push marketing to the store level, empower the operator, gave them the tools they needed, gave them the brand creative that they needed to be consistent in the marketplace, even empowered them to invest in the brand through the restaurants 
They don't send us any money. They keep the money. They invest in building the brand and building sales in their respective communities and their markets. They work together. And our role all right, well, how do we do what they cannot do? Well, let's make sure the brain's healthy and relevant. So we take care of the menu. We take care of marketing, creative resources. We take a, take care of brain innovation around not just food, but store design, technology systems, drive-through systems, distribution systems. There's certain things the operators simply cannot do for themselves. But what they can do for themselves, they actually do better than if we tried to do it for them. And, and one of those things was market the business. So um, the headline on that, people used to ask me, Do you, what keeps you awake at night? And my answer was two-part answer. Number one, what doesn't keep me awake is I don't worry about building sales. It's up to the operator. They're highly motivated to build sales. Therefore, what does keep me up at night are we giving the operators what they need as a brand and marketing resources to build the brand and build their sales. And that was that was our charter. Um, made my job, quite frankly, made my job a lot easier, a lot more fun. And I was able to focus on stuff that really would move the brand forward in terms of customer engagement, loyalty, and not be worried about what I said much earlier about chasing transactions every quarter. That wasn't my job. So, so a lot of reasons I stayed for 35 years, but that's kind of that's kind of a high level synopsis of it. No, I love it. Yeah, it certainly right. sounds like sounds like Mr. Kathy honored what uh, what he said was going to happen when you he accepted the job. Did. He absolutely did, and I loved him, and he loved me, and it was good. It was good. I love it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on, sharing the story. Where can people learn? Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Where can they get their copy of Covert Cows and Chick Fil A? Well, Covert Cows and Chick Fil A is still on Amazon. It's still every now and then you'll find it at Walmart or on their website. It's available through Bulk Books. Um, for those out there that want to not only read it themselves but share it with others. So it's still Amazon's probably the easiest for most folks. I have a I do have a website. It says srobinsonconsulting.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. Um I do not do Twitter <laughs> or any of that other stuff. I, I stay focused on business connections and that's pretty much it. Um uh, so that's where they can find me. Smart man. <laughs> and the, the book the book obviously goes into the story that I've highlighted and great. It's a, it's basically a, a summary. It's a biography of true Kathy, the brand and my career. That's what it's about. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did show Steve, your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, pick up your copy of covert cows and Chick-fil-A, how faith cows and chicken built an iconic brand. Um, you can find it on Amazon, some other places. I'll list them in the notes of the show. And then you can learn a little bit more about Steve at Robinson. Is it S. Robinson Consulting, Steve? That's correct. S. Robinson Consulting. Yeah. S. Robinson Consulting.com. And then find Steve on LinkedIn as well. Thanks again, Steve. Thank you, George. It was an honor to be with you. It was fun. 
Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best. Amen.